I'd like you to turn in your Bibles uh, to First uh, Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. And uh, while you're turning there, <clears throat> just describe just a little bit about the background. You saw a few pictures there. Uh, followed the Pope and uh, his mission there. By the way, that's the first time in world history that a Pope has ever been on the Arabian Peninsula. Did you realize that? First time in world history. I'm excited about the rapture, folks. I'm going to talk to you about that this morning. Because I believe we're living in the, in the, the very end times. I believe that the Scripture has foretold. I'm going to talk about that here this morning. But Pope Francis was there, uh, an astonishing event in world history. What was he there for? Well, to kick off the World uh, Government Summit, but also to make amends with the Muslim world. And he made statements such as, the, 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 uh, and UAE is an impressive country. Dubai and Abu Dhabi, how many of you have been there? Okay, two, all right. Uh, usually I'm in churches, a few more, several have been there. You ought to go, I mean, it's quite a place. Um, but anyway, uh, he was there to make amends with uh, the Muslim religion. And what better place, because of all the Muslim Arabic countries, UAE is probably the kindest and gentlest, no doubt. I mean, it's right next to Saudi Arabia, who, by the way, beheaded 35 people last week. Yeah, next door. And in fact, the map I showed you where we have labor camp meetings, where John Paul, some of you still pray for John Paul, where he was saved. And I'll show you updates about him, his life tonight, uh, is, is 30 minutes from the Saudi border. So UAE is an island in the middle of Arabic hostility, Muslim hostility. It's, it's quite a place. And that's where he chose for the first time in world history that a pope has gone to the Arab uh, world in the, in, the, in the peninsula, the Arabian Peninsula. And he said as he left, this country is transformed by tolerance, fraternity, mutual respect, and freedom. Now, it's not totally free. <laughs> they kicked out my friend John Paul because he converted to Christianity. Some of you remember that story. They did that about six years ago. I just saw him in February back in Pakistan. They ripped up his visa because he converted uh, to Christianity. But, however, that's really tolerant compared to the next-door neighbors, Saudi Arabia and Qatar and certainly Iran and places like that. Um, the Pope also said, I returned home with the hope that many deserts of the world can bloom like this. I believe it is possible. But what kind of a world do we want to build together? Well, I don't know about him, but I'm not trying to build a better world. I know the Pope is. I know that that's what the Catholic Church thinks is going to happen. And by the way, Revelation 17, Mystery Babylon is speaking of that one world religion headed up by the Pope and the Vatican. There's no doubt in my mind, and had I time, I could prove that to you. So he's over there promoting world government, which the Bible says is going to happen, and most definitely while we're gone, so that we won't oppose all that's going on. But you know what? The Pope went back, and the very next week, he had to deal with 200 cardinals and bishops because of the sex abuse scandal that's going on worldwide. Three weeks after he went back, and I was over in Pakistan, his treasurer, Cardinal George Pell, was arrested in Australia for fooling around with the little boys, altar boys. That's the... I mean, we need to wake up, folks. We are living in the last days. The world church, the world, not a church, the world religion is assembling. And we, what we do for Christ, we better do now, because we don't have much time. Matthew chapter 16, I know you're there in 1 Thessalonians 5, but let, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for a church that believes the gospel, that believes the Bible, that believes the only hope for this world is the salvation of souls and for our Savior to come back 
as he said he would. Thank you, Lord, for that blessed hope. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the opportunity to shine as lights while we live here in this world. And I know this is a unique part of the world, Toronto, because the the people of the world have come and they're living all around us. I hardly have seen uh, a, 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 a white face because there's so many dear people from different races and different uh, countries around the world uh, that I'm meeting every hour that I'm here. And I'm thankful for it, Lord. Thankful for the opportunity to be in those places of the world where the gospel is needed. And thankful for the people that are here from those places so that they are able to be touched and reached by the dear folks here at Legacy Baptist Church and other like-minded churches. Lord, we're so thankful for the gospel, thankful for the portion that you've given to us. And we pray now that you would bless us as we continue this service. I pray that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5, but you know, just, just before I go into this passage, Jesus said in Matthew 16, verses 1 to 3, and I'll just kind of go over it very quickly. He said to all the people that were around him, the scribes, the Pharisees, as well as his own disciples, he said, he reprimanded them because they could not discern the signs of the times. He said, do you realize that, that, um, uh, if it's a, it's a red sky at night, it's going to be a dangerous day in the morning. He said, if you wake up in the red skies in the morning, you know it's going to be a good day. You can discern the signs of the times, he said. But you do not realize, or you can discern the signs of the weather, but you cannot realize the signs of the times. And he reprimanded these religious people as well as his own disciples because they weren't aware. Folks, we must realize that we're living in, in unique times, times that the Bible has prophesied about, and we need to be aware of the times that we do not know the day or the hour. But we ought to be recognizing that we're in the last days and the signs of the times of the seasons are all around us. With that in mind, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, But of the times and seasons, brethren, there's those words again, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, the day of the Lord is, is, a, is a large, it's not a 24-hour day, it's a time period. It's described by the prophets as, as a time of great judgment upon Israel. It's described also by the prophets as a time of great blessing as, as Christ brings the Messiah, of course, in the Old Testament described, brings in the, the, the kingdom. And, and the world is, is remade. And so all of that takes place in the day of the Lord period of time. But it begins as a thief in the night with an event that Paul has just described in chapter 4 as the rapture. He doesn't call it the rapture, but the, uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The, the, the Christ shall descend from heaven with a shout, verse 16, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. So Paul has just spoken about that the, the initial time period uh, that begins with the gathering out. We call the rapture. The taking out of the dead in Christ first and then the living in Christ first. He's just said that. Now he goes on to say, but of the times and seasons, you don't need me to write to you. You understand about these. And, and then in verse 3 he says, for when they shall say, now he's being prophetic, peace and safety. Have you ever known a time in your life when people were more concerned about those two issues, peace and security? Have you? It's interesting, isn't it? For when they, that's the world, that's the people that aren't aware of Christ's coming. When they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. 
as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. He, he makes a, a difference there. He says, when the world is concerned about peace and security, folks, I'm telling you, I was just right there on the beach with 4,000 of the world's top business executives, decision makers, and not the presidents of countries, but the underlings were all there. And what were they doing? For a week they were planning the world. And one of the, well, let me just give you just a few quotes. Of course, you, you, I, I gave you the quote about uh, Pope Francis and how he spoke. And it was kicked off by the keynote speaker, Imran Khan. Uh, Hariri from, was there from Lebanon, the prime minister. The IMF, International Monetary Fund director, spoke on the first day. Uh, Sheikh Abdullah bin Syed, who's the, the, um, the, the kind of the monarch of the UAE, said that because of the Pope's visit, uh, there, there was a, a new era of, cooper- of religious cooperation that he had never seen and uh, uh, taken it to a new level. Uh, then UN President Espinoza said this, multilateralism or one world government is the only way to solve, here's a term you're familiar with, climate change and save the planet. Listen, while they shall say, save the planet, peace and security, ye are to be looking. That's what Jesus said. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Jesus said, I'm coming back. Paul said, listen, discern the signs of the times. Jesus said, he rebuked his followers for not discerning the signs of the times. We are his followers. And in a world where they're concerned with making this a better world, which will never happen, and peace and security, and they're meeting together for that purpose, while most of the world is unaware, and that's by design. You'd have to Google. Some of you were not aware till just a few minutes ago of this conference. Why? If it's such a great conference, if it's going to save the world, why aren't we aware of it? And maybe you in Canada are because you get more worldwide news coverage than we do. But I'll tell you what, Americans aren't aware of it. They have no idea. How many of you knew before this morning there was a world government summit in February on the beaches of Dubai? Well, now I am shocked. You know why you haven't heard with the kind of world news coverage that Canada has? Because they don't want you to know. They're slipping it in until the beast is ready. When will the beast be ready? After we're gone. Are you ready? Turn with me to Revelation. And then we'll come back to here. Revelation 17. Uh, The first seven verses are about Mystery Babylon, which, and again, I speak in prophecy conferences all over the world, all over the United States and Canada, and and, uh, Revelation 17 is definitely speaking of the one world religion that that I've just talked to you about, headed up by the popes, no doubt, whichever pope it will be when, when, when the rapture occurs, and it could be this one. But I, I, I want to go down to verse 8. The beast which thou sawest, and in verse 7 he's identified which has the seven heads and ten horns, the beast which thou sawest was and is not. See, he gets assassinated somewhere during his reign. The world leader gets his, he, he, he lives, then he was killed by a sword. Revelation 13, I believe verse 15 says, verse 14. And then he, he is raised, and I believe by the power of Satan, he's indwelt by Satan himself. But that you may believe differently. I don't know. And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. I'd I'd just like to pause there and ask you, is your name written in the book of life from the foundation of the world? Praise God, mine is. I have no doubt. Some of you are raising your hand. Some of you are going, amen. Yeah, mine is. Oh, listen, if you're here today and your name's not there, 
You'll be here when the beast comes. And you'll, you'll be cast into the lake of fire with the beast and all of his followers. How sad will that be? So if you reject the only Savior that ever came to save you, and you're, you're saying, no, I think I can save myself. I think my religion will do. No, it won't do. The question is, is your name in the book of life? If it's not, today would be a great day to make sure. So that you're ready to go when our Savior Jesus Christ comes back. When they behold the beast that, that was and is not and yet is. Now verse 9, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. And in the book of Daniel chapter 2, I don't have time to, to really go into there, but uh, a mountain is a, is a biblical term for a kingdom. Alright, seven heads are seven mountains or kingdoms on which the woman sitteth. So there's going to be, uh, there's certain world kingdoms and we're going to talk about that just briefly here. There are seven kings. Well, what do kings do? Kings sit on kingdoms. Kings rule over kingdoms. And one is, I'm sorry, uh, there are seven kings. Five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. Now John is writing this. He talks about five world kingdoms that have appeared on the world stage. And I, had, I don't have time to get into it, but let me just name them for you. Egypt was the first one. Assyria was the second one. Babylon was the third one. Persia was the fourth one. Greece was the fifth one. And the one that is, during John's day, is Rome. That's six. There have no, not been any world kingdoms since Rome fell. You say, well, what about Britannia rules the waves? Yeah, but they were always having fights with Spain and France. They, they never ruled it like, like Rome ruled the world, like Greece ruled the world, like Persia did, like Babylon. There has not been a world kingdom since Rome. But, John says, the one is and, and the other is not yet come. There's got to be a seventh. I submit to you that the world is already planning the seventh. And when the rapture occurs, it'll be ready. Now, he says, and when he cometh, who's he? He must continue a short... That's the seventh one. The one that's the, the seventh world will continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, that's the... Some call him the Antichrist. He's not referred to that by John in the book of Revelation. He's the beast. But you can call him the Antichrist if you like. That was and is not. He even he is the eighth. And is of the seven. How is he of the seven? Because he's a world ruler. The beast is going to take over once the seventh world ruling power is in place. The beast is going to snatch the power. The ten kings are going to support him. And once, once again, I, I believe I understand that the ten kings represent ten areas of the earth. They don't represent the European Union. That idea never, I never bought into that. They represent the, the, the whole earth. Ten, the whole earth will be divided into ten regions who will give their allegiance to the beast and then he'll uproot three of them. That's what the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation teach. How close are we when the world is focused on two things? Peace and security. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There cannot be peace without righteousness. And keep your place maybe here in 1 Thessalonians 5, but go back with me to... Isaiah 32. See, this is the problem with the people who are looking to bring in world peace. I guess we all would love to see world peace rather than world violence, right? But, I mean, world peace will only be achieved in in this world when the Prince of Peace comes. Because there's a real flaw in this idea of world peace. Verse 17, Isaiah 32, 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. You see, peace on earth is the work of what? Righteousness. Have you ever known the peace movement to ever espouse righteousness? No. 
And whose righteousness are we talking about? The Creator. So, you think about the world peace movements. They're corrupt, according to God. Their view of marriage is corrupt. Their view of killing babies is corrupt. Their view of, of, of human life is corrupt. Their view of sexuality is corrupt. There is no righteousness among the world's peace movements, including this one. There's only one who can bring world peace. And that's the one who is righteous and holy. And His kingdom will be a kingdom of peace. And by the way, you and I are going to get to see it. Because we're coming back, according to the Scripture, to rule and reign for a thousand years with the Maker of this world. Do you realize that since Jesus Christ, who is the Creator, who is the Maker of this world, when He spun this world into existence and He created all the beauty that He created, never got to enjoy it for more than however it took long for Adam to sin. He never got to enjoy that beautiful world, did He? Was it months before Adam and Eve sinned? Was it weeks? Maybe a year or two? In God's eyes, that's a second. He didn't get to enjoy it, but He will. The whole Old Testament speaks to a time when He is going to come back and remake this world and you and I are going to rule and reign with Him if your name is written in the book of life. Oh, that's so important here this morning. You can, you can love peace all you want, but until peace comes with God's righteousness, it will never be on this earth. That's why these movements are flawed. That's why God's prophets told about it. By the way, since you're in Isaiah 32, you might find this interesting. Verse 5. The vile person shall no more be called liberal. You like the word liberal? Now, I'm not going to get into Canadian politics. But you know, liberal in the Bible means generous. You know what liberal means in our world? That you like to distribute other people's money. You know, Bernie Sanders, I'll speak about an American, he gives less than what? 2%? Or is it in the ones, I believe? And has for years. He's the big advocate of giving away everybody's money, but he doesn't give. Ditto, Beto O'Rourke. Ditto all of them. And yet they're clamoring for somebody's tax records. And I'll guarantee you, that man gives a lot more than those people ever thought about. The liberal... They love to give away other people's money. But in the Bible, the liberal is a term that means generous. And that's the way it should be. I'd like to call myself a liberal, but in the climate that I live, I wouldn't dare. I'm a conservative. Because I believe in God's principle. I don't believe in killing babies before they're born. I don't believe in, in men living together. Excuse me. Or women either. I don't believe in child brides and you know things like that that's going on. In this world. I believe God set aside a certain pattern. And His righteousness one day will prevail. But listen to this. The vile person shall no more be called liberal. Boy, I'll be glad when that happens. Nor the churl said to be bountiful. we got a lot of liberals and churls in our world that think they're liberal, but they're not generous at all. Oh, unless it's somebody else's money. For the vile person will speak villainy. I think that's the world we're living in. And his heart will work iniquity to practice hypocrisy. You know, we got a lot of leaders of our world that are practicing hypocrisy. No doubt about it. They know the truth and they're deliberately lying to you through their teeth. Well, and I just, since I've been dwelling on abortion, I mean lying about 
what that is, that those instruments go up and suck like a, you know, like a milkshake machine and out of the body. Lying to the young ladies about it. Lying about transgender stuff. If you want to be someone, you can just go and, yeah, lying about it. We're living in a generation of lies with hypocrisy. And to utter error against the Lord. To make empty the soul of the hungry. And He will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. The instruments also of the churl are evil. He deviseth wicked devices to destroy the poor with lying words. Like, you know, I'm going to make your country socialist for your own good. Well, name me the, the countries that have, have heard that lie before. And are, and, and are like, you know, like Cuba, like Venezuela, like the Soviet Union. You know, the lies and hypocrisy, deliberate lies to deceive people. That's the kind of world we're living in. Now go to First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when the Spirit of God is speaking expressly, as I've never seen a verse like it anywhere in Scripture, I'm listening. Have you ever seen a verse where it says that the Spirit of God is speaking? You better listen. This is the only verse. So I'm listening. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, it's not talking about Christians departing from the faith because that's impossible. You understand New Testament doctrine, that's impossible. But it is possible for Christian societies, for Christian countries, for groups of so-called Christians to depart from truth. But a true born-again believer whose name is in the book of life cannot depart. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit who seals until the day of redemption. <clears throat> but we're living in a Western society that used to send missionaries by the boatloads. Britain was one of those. My father and mother, you know, when I was just a little boy, went to the Congo, right in the heart of Africa. I lived in the Congo jungles for four years when I was a little boy. Because people had the burden to reach the lost around the world. Not so much anymore, is it? Shall depart from the faith, giving heed. So individuals don't, individual Christians don't depart, but some, that is groups of people who, who, uh, you know, used to be in the faith, and I would say countries or societies like Britain, like Canada, like the United States, no more. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Does that not remind you of Isaiah chapter 32 that we just read? You see, I know some people say all lies are horrible. I would beg to differ. Since the Scripture said that there's something about speaking lies in hypocrisy, and since it said that in Isaiah 32 and some other places, I think there is a difference. I think you can say something that you really believe and find out later is not true and be accused of lying. Like, give you an example. President Bush. Oh, there's weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And then everybody said he lied. No, he was convinced it was true. It was not true. It, it was found out later that the CIA and various other intelligence agencies goofed. And by the way, don't worship FBI, CIA, even RCMP. I've got a brother in the RCMP. They're fallible. So, there's a difference. And, and whether or not you like President Obama, when he said you can keep your doctor, you can keep your this, you can keep your that, I think he really in his heart thought so. 
I know there are some who debate that. But I think in his heart he thought that was possible. It wasn't possible. Those who were, you know, wise in the healthcare business knew it wasn't. But he was convinced. I think when President Trump said, I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it, I think he really thought that. Now, I don't think Mexico will pay for it, really. But he thought that. But listen, we are now living in a time when lies are being told by the press, mostly, with impunity and knowing their lies. For instance, you may not like President Trump. He's bombastic. He's proud. He's got a nasty speech habit. There's, his personality is lousy. But I want to tell you, he's a patriot. He loves America and he loves freedom. And there's no way he would cozy up to Putin or any other communist. And yet the press has been lying about him for two years and they still won't let it go. That's lies in hypocrisy. Have you ever known a time when we've been besieged by people who knowingly are producing lies? Like that baby really is not a baby until it's born. And then we even question that. That's a deliberate lie against all scientific understanding. By the way, I think evolution is one of those lies in hypocrisy, but we'll let that slide. There's a lot of lies being told by Paul and the press. Deliberately knowing what they're saying is untrue, and even when it's been proven, not willing to move off of their lies. By the way, there's a cable station in the United States that lost to the Food Channel recently in their viewership because they won't move off of their lies. That's kind of bad when you're a top ranking cable news outfit and the Food Channel beats you out. Right? Says something. But we are living in a time when politicians deliberately lie to us. When the press deliberately lies to us. When people who of influence and wealth deliberately lie to us. As the Scripture says, what time are we in? We're in those last days, folks. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times... Some people, doesn't say Christians, some shall depart from faith. I I have lived in a time when Canada used to be strong in the Christian faith. That doesn't mean that everybody who was was strong in the Christian faith was going to heaven, but at least they were strong in Christian principles. I can say that no longer. I grew up here. Same I'm saying about the United States. Certainly can say about Britain and most of Europe. There was a time. No longer. We're living in the last days. Seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And I don't have time to pursue these next two, but forbidding marriage. By the way, have you seen any changes in God-ordained marriage in your lifetime? I'm going to make a statement. Pastors will soon be no longer allowed to perform marriages in the free world. It will be soon happening. That's where this group is heading. Just as the Bible said, forbidding marriage. And the second thing... Three verses on commanding to abstain from meats. By the way, most of those little nuts that are running for the American presidential are, are staunch that they, they're, they're vegetarian and want to impose those articles on us. Now listen, if you're vegetarian for your health reasons, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about imposing. It's talking about commanding others. And you have no right to do that according to the one who created a cow and a... And by the way, I'm in India all the time. And I have to, you know, swerve around cows and monkeys and sheep and whatever. Because they are somebody's ancestors. Yes. Now, I don't believe that, but they do. Okay? That's why they're vegetarian. But listen, if you are vegetarian, bless your heart. That's okay. 
I'm not condemning you. But the Bible says, do not command others as your society to abstain. And it also has to say, don't outlaw marriage. But listen, we're talking about God's definition of marriage, which is one man, one woman with a covenant in purity for a lifetime. We've already moved off that. That ship has sailed a long time ago, folks. So what, what am I saying today? I'm saying, are you ready? Are you ready for that trumpet? Because we are in the last days. Or will Jesus have to come alongside and say to you, you're not paying attention to the signs of the times. The Holy Spirit is speaking and you're not listening. Oh, let's never be in that crowd. Let's be looking. By the way, the Lord promised us that we would not be here during the tribulation period. Look at Second Peter. I realize there's new books being written. I personally think they're not worth the paper they're written on, but that's okay. You, you may like some of those books that say that we're going to be in the tribulation. But anyway, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5. God says, and, and by the way, before we read Second Peter 2, 5, in, in uh, our portion there in First in, uh, Thessalonians where we were, which is clearly talking about the rapture, in verse 9 he says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath. What wrath is he talking about? The wrath he's just been talking about. The, 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 the tribulation wrath that we as believers are going to be taken from. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Second Peter. Whenever God judges a world or a city or a country or a civilization, He always removes the righteous. He's going to do it again. Do not buy into this that we're going to go through the tribulation period. That is not going to happen according to God's holy word. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. You see, Noah was the first example. God said, I've had it with this wickedness. The society that, that I thought was going to worship me, that I gave all the advantages of my creation to, has completely wicked. Wherever they turn, their thoughts are wicked. I'll have to destroy them. See, God is a God of mercy, yes, but He's also a God of righteous judgment. And He'd said, I'm going to... But but Noah is a righteous man, so He spared His family. Now, verse 6, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that afterwards should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Do you ever feel like Lot sometimes? Do you ever feel like you're vexed with... I'm, I'm vexed with TV commercials. I don't know about you. I'm trying to watch the Raptors, who I hope win the whole thing. But uh, then I'm vexed when I, mean, I can't even mention it in mixed company, the stuff I'm seeing. Commercials. Not even meaning to turn to some, like, you know, many of us are tempted to turn to other things. But even if you're watching something that's fairly innocent, you're vexed with it. Now, I'm not justifying Lot's behavior, but I'm telling you, we're living in a society quite like it, and some of us are having a hard time not being vexed with the filthy conversation. Let's, let's be honest. For that righteous man, have you ever heard someone describe Lot as a righteous man? We don't like to think of him that way, do we? Oh, that dirty guy, he went to the wrong place. No, he was a righteous man. Why? God said it. That's not my determination. That righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Folks, I'm getting a lot like that. and I'm, I'm so vexed with this world. I'm so ready to go. Now, I'm not even talking about the world. I'm in Pakistan and India and, and Bhutan and China and all. No, I'm talking about I'm vexed with America. 
be honest with you, I don't see offensive commercials in UAE. Muslims won't have it. Now, I'm not praising them for it. I'm just giving you a fact. But our supposedly Christian nation, we're just like Sodom and Gomorrah. And if God would spare us His judgment, He'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah and the people of Lot's day. When God judges, He takes out. Another uh, example of when He did that was Rahab. You know, Rahab... And the whole, I can't go into the whole story, don't have time, but she turned to the God of Israel and she was spared God's judgment. Uh, the Kenites, which were Moses' relatives, were living among the Amalekites and God told Saul, kill everything. I'm done with the Amalekite civilization. And he listed their sins. And he said, I, want, I don't want anybody breathing when you're done, Saul. But before that, in verse 5 or 6 of that passage, I believe it's First Samuel 15, he said, to the Kenites, Moses' in-laws, because they were righteous, he said, get out. That's what God does. And you know what? He's coming. He's making us a mansion, as he said in John 14, but he says, I'm coming back for you. And I'll come back when I'm ready to come and I'm going to take you out. And all the verses we see talk about how that we're going to be taken out and then the judgment falls. Are you in Christ this morning? We could go on and on. The book of Revelation, chapter 4, John is talking about the churches of Revelation. Immediately, he's taken out. Here's a voice, just like we're going to hear. And immediately, where is he? At the throne. That's what's going to happen to you and me, folks. Immediately, I believe that day is coming very soon. For those whose name is in the book of life, immediately we're going to hear that trumpet sound. And we're going to be taken out. And this world is going to face judgment like it has never faced before. Daniel said it. Paul said it. And Jesus described it all the same way. The worst time that this world has ever known will happen during the tribulation period. And I'm glad I'm not going to be around. I'm going to be around the throne. I'm going to be with my bridegroom. You see, we are the bride of Christ. He's coming for His bride. But are you ready? Ready? 